Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space. I don't do that shit no more. So you would pop the other person in the mouth. Mm-hmm. So just so we're clear, <laughs> yes. you would physically put your hands on someone else if they said something you didn't want to hear. It was, it's a little more nuanced than that. So it was, it okay. was, like, okay. So to be in again, it's wrong either way. Like I don't, I believe that women should not put their hand, hands on men. Men should not put their hands on women. Women shouldn't put their hands on women. Men should, no one should put their hands on anyone. Like that's point blank. Period. Like we were taught in grade school, keep your hands to keep yourself. Keep your hands to yourself. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all of the new beginnings that we have for this year. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey girl, hey, it's Terry here from the Her Space Podcast. Every Wednesday, I release a Wisdom Wednesday mini episode that'll give you the quick boost you need to get you through hump day. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click the Wisdom Wednesday with Terry link under start here to get your weekly gems. I hope to see you there. Our quote of the day comes from Brianna Weist. Your toxicity in your relationships with other people is actually an extension of the toxicity in your relationship to yourself. What you have is not an issue with how you relate to others, but a fundamental trauma that is preventing you from being at ease within yourself. That is what you must address. Well, damn. I mean, damn. Yeah, that felt like a punch in the gut. (laughs) It did. It did. But I think that that's the reality, right? That like when we're having issues with multiple people, Mm-hmm. that's a sign that there may be something happening for, within us, right? If you have a relationship with one person that you're just like, man, what the hell? That's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's an outlier. But when it's across multiple relationships within multiple settings, that's when you do have to kind of turn the mirror on yourself and say, What's happening for me? What do I need to evaluate? You know what's interesting though? I feel like the people, and I don't know, let me know what you think, Dob. I feel like the people that are the common denominator in all of the issues and the toxicity they're experiencing in life, I feel like sometimes they just don't see that it's them. Like they will literally look at everyone else like, oh, they did this to me. It was them. They did that. And, and, and I feel like a lot of other people around them can look at them and say, do you not realize like you are the common denominator in all the fucking drama and all the toxicity? Like you are playing a part in this, you know? But the hardest relationship to examine mm. is that relationship with self. Okay, therapist, tell us more. <laughs> tell me some more, okay? Think about it. For a lot of us, it's easy to look at what other people, the people around us are doing to us, right? And 
to look at that relationship within yourself requires a level of vulnerability that most of us struggle with. Mm. It's taking yourself into a space that requires a lot of work. Mm. And sometimes taking that deep dive, you've got to actually not sometimes, all the time. Taking that deep dive, you have to really be ready to go in and pull that shit up. Yeah. I feel like there has to be a balance too. There has to be a balance. If you're, okay, we're going to go along with this analogy of taking a deep dive. You sort of have to anchor yourself and then go for the dive. Because I know for me, or in my experience, at least I know for me, sometimes I won the ego, like the defensiveness. Yes, like if yes. I don't want to hear what I'm doing wrong, that's one thing that comes up. But then another part is either I don't want to hear what's going wrong, or I don't want to hear about what I'm doing because I feel as I'm going to beat myself up so bad that I may not be able to recover. Maybe I feel worthless or I'm like, I've become suicidal because I just fucked up and I have to face something that I'm not ready to face. And so that's kind of something that I've thought about. But for me, I got to a place in life where I realized I had some toxic traits when I was with a very toxic person. And the thing about it was me coming from an abusive household and having all these obstacles and this adversity that I faced, I sort of saw myself as a victim, but not in the way that people talk about it. Right. So I felt as though I was victimized. I had these bad things happen to me and I felt like I was a very good person. And so it was hard for me to see any of my stuff because this thing happened to me. I was raised in this household. Like I kind of held onto the victim badge in a way mm. where it covered any toxic ways that I may may have had or ex- excuse them. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So it wasn't until I got into this relationship that I realized, and we can dive into that in a little bit, where I realized, oh, no, boo-boo, you got some stuff you have to deal with too. And I think that's the hard part though, right? Mm-hmm. Of like having that turned on you because it's, like I said, it's easy to point the finger at the other person than to look at what you may be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think you bring up like a good point about when you're looking at yourself, stepping back and saying, wait, what like what is this that I'm really am holding on to? How is it really impacting me? Because what you've gone through is still traumatic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's how you're responding to that that is making the difference. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. And I guess before we get into the juicy stuff, let's talk about why it's important to address our own toxicity. Okay. And when I think about the importance of this, it's easy to brush it aside. We see so many people, right? I'm sure, lady, you can think of someone in your family right now where you're like, I know that person has not done a deep dive into themselves to understand themselves better and to overcome their toxic ways. But I think the one reason that it's important is because we should always be evolving. Yes. And change is a process and not an event. Like if you are, I heard the quote earlier, actually, I heard a quote where it said, if you are the same person that you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago, something needs to be evaluated there. Like we should always be developing a fresh perspective on something or revisiting the way we think about things or trying to figure out how can I become better, right? Maybe I don't handle myself well when it comes to arguments or when I disagree with someone, how can I evolve and become better? So I think that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I think that it's important to recognize that the core of who you are is what doesn't change because I think people get that confused, right? When you're saying, oh, we should be changing. Well, it is evolution, like you pointed out. And there is a difference between change and evolution, Mm -hmm. that evolution to me is a reflection of your core is staying the same, but how your core gets reflected out Mm. is what evolves over time based on your lived experiences. So if your core trait, one of your core traits is to be a helper, right? Or to be warm, then as you grow over time, how you display that is what is evolving. 
you will always be a warm person, but how it's displayed is what evolves. That is a really good point, Donna. I think about my personal experience, and I'm sure you can think about yours too. Like when I look back and read journal entries from my 17 year old self, right? Mm -hmm. I am the same person. Like my essence has not changed. And it's so fascinating to me because I'm like, all these years have passed, but like I had some of the same goals. I had the same, like just inner spirit, I guess yes. is the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. Where it's like, you know, resilience is something I value. Personal development was something I value. And now as I'm evolving, it looks different at different stages, but exactly. I am the same person, but I've changed or evolved. Right. So I think sometimes they can be used interchangeably, but I like mm-hmm. the way you said evolving is more like your core staying the same, but you just kind of becoming a better you, right? Yeah, how you're expressing your core is what changes over time. Yes. And that brings us on to number two. When you address your own toxicity, and I think we all have it personally. I think many of us do. And I think that when you do address your own toxicity, it allows you to have better relationships. I have realized that the better I've become over the years, the better communicator I am, the better just person, human being. Like I used to take things so offensively and take things so personally, even though they had nothing to do with me. And now my mind is shifting and I see people as a reflection of what's going on with themselves versus what it means to and for me. You know what I mean? And that shift in in and of itself has transformed my whole vibe and like my energy. And so now I'm better in relationships because of how I relate to myself. And I think the other thing, too, one of the things that I've noticed within myself is that as my communication gets better, my anxiety decreases. Mm, Right. Tell me more. So I don't know. For some folks, I know for me, particularly like if someone has like social anxiety, a lot of that social anxiety is about the communication with other people or how they may be perceived by other people. Right. And so. The more you communicate clearly, which can be hard sometimes, the easier it is for you to be in that situation. So let's say you're running late, right? I know for years that used to be a thing that would like give me anxiety Mm -hmm. if I was running late because some of it was tied to me beating myself up about, well, you should have been on time and you know, why you need to be better about your time management. Like, and I could go down the list of negative things to say to myself to make myself feel bad. And then also at the same time saying, and you're not valuing this other person's time. And what are they going to think of you if you are running behind? And, And it could be something as simple as we're meeting up for drinks at happy hour. And so I would find myself like, okay, I know I'm like, clearly I'm going to be late. And I would have this inner battle with how do I communicate that I'm going to be late? And as I'm building up all this inner battle, all it really takes is for me to send a simple text message. Hey, girl. You know, I can't be on time for shit. <laughs> I'll be there in five minutes, right? Right, right? So I take ownership of me not being on time. And that's like, you know, that's a humorous way to deal with it. I could also just say, hey, girl, I'm sorry I'm not being more appreciative of your time. I'm running. Give me five minutes, right? But just putting that communication out mm-hmm. there and leaving it, that would ease so much anxiety, yeah. right? And so I think it's it really is about figuring out where you are and how you are presenting yourself, you know, in those moments. Spot on, Dom. I couldn't agree more. I think it it goes back to that quote that we started with where it's like, it's all about the toxicity is all about your relationship to yourself, right? So yes. you people may think that, oh, this person's so toxic, but when you get to the when you get to the core, they really have issues with themselves. And so we're going to dive into the next important reason why we need to address our toxicity. And then we're going to dive into more juicy stuff. So you got to stay tuned, lady. So next, <laughs> it's important to address your own toxicity because you don't tolerate as much shit because you're facing your own shit. So your standards have risen, yes. right? And the perfect example I can think of here is that 
when I began to really address my stuff, and now, for instance, I'm a pretty good communicator. Like people may have thought I was good in the past, but I really, like, I, I really wasn't. I may have been in a public facing situation, but in my intimate relationships, I wasn't the best communicator. And so for me now, it takes a lot for someone to get me to that rowdy nuck if you buck. You know what I mean? Ooh, she took it back. Okay, like, nuck if you buck. That, it takes a lot to get me to that point. And now that I communicate better, if you're coming to me trying to communicate, you got to meet me up here. You can't be doing all the rowdy extra shit because I'm not on. That's not how I communicate. And right. so if you're trying to bring that type of energy toward me, I have a higher standard for communication. So you need to develop yourself, develop some tools, and you come back to me with the tools that you develop because now I'm elevating my own conversation and communication style and someone needs to meet me at that point. And so I think that when we address what's toxic for us, you really can't tolerate someone else's BS, especially if they're trying to manipulate you in a relationship. Or let's say you're with a narcissist or you're just with someone that is extremely toxic. They can't even hang with you now, right? Right. And that goes, and what ends up happening is either they will rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. or they'll fade away. But the other beauty in that is that then you will find yourself interacting with different people because you are in a different space. So you will be attracting people who communicate on that level that you are at or that you're seeking. Mm-hmm. Spot on. It just makes me think about certain loved ones where I'm like, okay, you seem to be upset right now. This is not how I communicate. So I think maybe you should take a breather and maybe we'll revisit the conversation. Cause I'm also at the point now where I'm not going to tolerate someone talking to me crazy, yelling at me and all these other, all these other things that I tolerated in the past because that's how I communicated as well. Right. 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 And I think that that becomes hard for those people hearing that. Right. When you are setting that boundary, when you are communicating in a way that feels healthy for you, it ends up being a reflection to them of. Oh, shit. Then they may end up in a space where they get defensive Mm -hmm. because they're realizing, oh, she is communicating in a different way that is requiring some vulnerability Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if I'm ready for. Mm -hmm. And naturally what they're going to do is they're going to fight back. Yeah. Or retreat, right? Or retreat. Yeah. Or freeze. Because that's the way our body operates. We fight, flight, or freeze. And the beauty of all of that is that it's just information. Mm. Right? But sometimes it's hard to receive that information. Yes. It definitely can be hard. But lady, here's the thing. We are going to walk you through this journey together. We got you. So as we continue to have this conversation, there is no shame. There is no judgment. This is all like Dom said. I love that you said that. It's all information. And once we have information, we can decide on how we want to move, right? Yes. And we can possibly get to transformation once we have information. So what we're going to do is Dom and I are actually going to share with you some of our toxic ways, but... Before we dive into our toxic ways and give you some of that tea, we want to give you some signs that show that it's you, right? Or signs that show that it's us. So signs that maybe we are the toxic ones. Sign number one, all of your problems are someone else's fault. So you never take responsibility for the things that you are experiencing. It's my boss. It's my partner. It's my mama, my daddy, the neighbor down the street. They cut me off on the freeway. Right. It's everyone else but you. And a question that you can ask yourself if you're trying to figure out, well, is this me or is it not? What is the last thing you've taken responsibility for? Because when I think about, I mean, I do this stuff so regularly now that it's, it's a lot easier for me to take responsibility for a problem. But I remember when I wasn't at that place and when I got very defensive and didn't want to take responsibility for anything that had a negative connotation, right? And so when is the last time you've taken responsibility for something? Again, Dom and I are going to dive into our toxic ways or whatever you want to call it soon. But sit with that question. Like, what is the last thing you've taken responsibility for? And the thing about it is sometimes when we can't maybe identify something right off the bat, 
I would think about another question that is, what role am I playing in this scenario? Right. That's a great question. That's a great reflection question. That takes us on to number two. Sign number two is you take more than you give. Now, I know many of us know people that take, take, take. And I think at certain points of your your life and depending on what stage you're in, you will be in a place where you feel as though maybe you take more because you don't have much to give. But I do think that it's not necessarily about what or how much you give, but it's about the spirit, right? Your spirit. Do you have a giving spirit or is your spirit take, take, take? And they give you an example. Let's say that you volunteer after work or after school, right? Or let's say that you are trying to always find ways to help other people. Maybe you have some knowledge or insight that you can share with someone, or maybe it's something small, like you do someone a favor or you're at the store and you're getting sticky notes and you pick up sticky notes for your your coworker that sits next to you. Like, Just think about how you move throughout life and are you giving more or are you taking more? And either one of those can be problematic. I know that we said we started off with you take more than you give, but if you are also that person that is always giving and never taking, that can be problematic as well because that may be a sign that you are constantly being taken advantage of and that is not healthy either. There's like, okay, there's like layers to this because that's a good point, Dom. You could be taken advantage of, but you could also be one of those people. I used to be this person that struggled to get help. So you wanted to give, give, give from a place you wanted to appear to be strong, but maybe you didn't want anyone to help you. You don't want to say that anyone has ever been able to help you. Like you've been giving, maybe sometimes you give with an ulterior motive, right? So it's just, this is all about just reflecting on who am I today? Right. Where am I? Right. right. It's all about reflection. Because that giver, if all you do is give, the other piece of that, too, is that it could be about ego. Mm-hmm. That I'm so superior to everyone else. I don't need anything. I don't need it. This makes me feel good and look good to always be the giver. There's got to be a balance of give and take. That takes us to sign number three. You're the drama queen. The person who is toxic or and unhealthy, every time you turn around, they they love the drama. The reality TV show, that is that they live that. That truly is their reality. They love the drama or they're literally always in the midst of drama. Now, I will, let's kind of add some distinction here, right? Right. I feel as though drama comes to me more often than I like it to. But when I look at the drama, when I look at the situation, I am not the common denominator in all of the dramas that are playing out, right? right? So for instance, if they're... Someone may call me and bring some drama to me. So now I have the decision to decide. Now I have to decide whether I want to engage in that, help out, or what role I want to play in that drama. But when I look at all the drama around, so whether it's, you know, this person and their relationship, this person with financial issues, this person with their job, this person, whatever it is, am I the common denominator? Am I the one that's involved in everything? Or is someone coming to me with the drama? Because if you notice, oftentimes toxic people, they are always in the mix of some drama. This person did that to them. This person stole this. They got involved with this. This person did that. And you just listen and you're kind of like, how the hell? Now I've had very adverse, you know, situations in life. I faced a lot of obstacles, but I wasn't the common denominator in all those issues, right? There were other people. So you really have to ask yourself, like, where's all this drama coming from? Are you the star of the soap opera? And if so, we're going to be gentle with you. It's just important for us to understand, is this the case, right? Right. Again, we we are gathering information. That's right. So then that takes us to number four, sign number four. You have a major superiority complex. Now, we talked a little bit about this in the give and take, right? Are you that person that believes that you truly are better and above 
everyone else that you're perfect, you can do no wrong, you are sitting up on your high horse judging everyone else around you? Or do you always need to be the center of attention? Like, does everything have to revolve around you? And there were definitely stages in my life where I felt like I wanted, uh, I want all the attention. Maybe in certain areas of life where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I want the attention in this case. But does it always need to be you? Like, do you have to? If it's not you, it can't be nobody else. Yeah. Like, can you not give praise to anyone else? Because you are just the bomb.com or as we used to say, what? The bomb diggity, right? <laughs> You keep taking it back. Shit don't stink, okay? Right? It's just, come on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. (laughs) It's exhausting. We only got two more. Two more. Number five is you're a Debbie Downer. When you think about a Debbie Downer, this is the person that always has something negative to bring into the equation. So someone says, oh, girl, I just got a promotion. Oh, well... Did you get a raise though? Or like how much you gonna be making? Or oh God, I just got a new place. Oh. Well, that place still costs too much, or it's in a bad neighborhood. Why did you get that place? Like finding some kind of way to tear you down, to bring the situation down, never being able to find the joy. Mm-hmm. So someone does something. I'm just thinking of different words and phrases that I hear from Debbie Downers where they're like, oh, you're doing too much. Mm. What what does that even mean? Is there such thing as doing too much? I mean, sometimes there is. But like, you know what I mean? Like if you if you go above and beyond and it's in a positive manner, it's like, oh, you're doing too much. Or it's just always something. They always find that thing. That wasn't enough. enough. Yeah. All that. You know how it is. There's just no, nothing you can do will ever please them. They are never satisfied. That's what it is. They are never satisfied. Sign number six, that you are the toxic person. You only express love or admiration when you need something. Girl, you know you're looking good. Girl, your hair stays laid. So you going to hook me up with your beautician? Oh, so you only gave me that compliment because you wanted something. (laughs) Or can I get $5? You know what I mean? Just something. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that too. That person is, you know, it's sometimes it may be hard to see it because that person is coming in and they, it feels they can be a bit charming, Mm -hmm. right? Because they, they're presenting themselves in a way that like they're ingratiating. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, oh. It's building up your ego for this person to come in and they're complimenting you exactly. and they're being, they're providing you with all this admiration mm-hmm. and making you, building you up, making you feel good only to hit you with, what can you do for me? Yeah. It reminds me of, you know how it is, lady, right? You had those family members where they're like, you know, I love you, right? You know, I'm your favorite auntie, right? You know, I'm your favorite uncle or a girl. Your hair looks so good. Let me hold $10. You know how it is. So it's like they try to butter you up for the ask. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. In marketing, that's great. Yes. But in our personal relationships, not so much. Not so much. And the thing is, we learned this in one of our previous episodes, right? Relationships are like mirrors. And for me personally, I didn't realize how toxic I was until I got into intimate relationships, really. And I grew up in a very violent and abusive household where I saw stabbings. I saw people being thrown. I, I saw a lot. And because of that, I didn't like to play. I didn't like to play fight growing up. I don't know about, mm. you know, how when we're younger and your friends want to play fight. I was like, nope, I don't want to play fight because I felt like it was traumatizing. And I feared my own rage that would come out because mm. of what I experienced. And so in relationships, though, I didn't behave very well. And I had some bad, some toxic traits. And so the thing that I realized is that sometimes when you're a victim for a long time, it's hard to realize that you can be both the villain and the victim Mm. at the same damn time. Yes. Yes, you can. And that's that is a hard thing to sit with. It is. Especially if you've been in that space where the space you've been holding is an identity that you've been holding Mm -hmm. is I'm the victim. Yep. It really makes it hard to see where 
you can be the villain because you've villainized, (laughs) you've villainized other, other people in your life and the way, and you've probably villainized them with such, I'm at a loss for words here, but grotesque comes to mind. Yes. Like it's (laughs) just, you have so much disdain for them that and negative judgment for them that it's hard for you when you have to look at yourself and say, well, I'm a villain. Why would you want to identify mm-hmm. with this person that you hold such disdain for? Yeah. That is so incredibly hard and painful It is to sit with. And the thing about it is, I feel like for me, I had to come to grips with my shit. So I couldn't blame mommy. I couldn't blame daddy. I couldn't blame whoever else had an impact on me. I had to Come to grips with who, who am I today? Who, who am I today? What is this woman? What is she, what baggage does she, does she come with? And so Dom, I figured we could play a little toxic game where if I share my toxic trait, you could share one of yours and we go back and forth. Okay. (laughs) So the toxic trait that I had, that I actually had a very intimate and like close relationship with this. I wore this as a, as a badge of honor. And it was that I was often called the man in the relationship because I didn't care. I pretended not to care a lot. Mm-hmm. So the people that I would date in the past would often say like, oh, you're like the guy in the relationship because of how cold I would sort of appear in the relationship. And I, I loved it because I was like, good. That means that they can't get to me. Like I'm hard. I may be, you know, on somebody's heels or like someone a lot back in the day, but I wouldn't show it. I'm that person that would play the game where it's like, do I call them or not? Okay, cool. I'm just going to delete their number and not reach out because I want to show that I'm stronger. And so I didn't realize that that was a problem until I got into a real relationship, like a real relationship that I wanted to take seriously. And I had to dig past all these layers of hurt mm-hmm. and and normalcy that just weren't okay. Like it's not okay for you to be in a relationship and to pretend that you don't care about someone because you want them to show that they're... It was like a big game. Game. You know? And a lot of people do that. Yeah. I can think back to times when I did that. Mm-hmm. And I think some of what that ties into is a toxic trait that I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. And it's the need to be in control. Oh, child. Tell me more. So for me... And I was actually listening to Dr. Tama's podcast and she had recently and she had an episode on control, right? Yes. yes. And I listened to it and I was like, Lord, she's speaking my life. (laughs) So it was basically talking about how, depending on how you were raised, that has an impact on how you present, like your need to have control. And for me, being the oldest and being what you would call the parentified child, Mm What helped maintain equilibrium, what helped keep my anxiety down is to be in control and in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. And it has taken years for me to get to a space and literally that's only recent, right, of being in a space where I can truly just let go. And it's still, there's still times when it'll pop up and I have to remind myself, no, you don't have to be in charge of that. And the way it would show up for me is my interactions like with my sisters. And, you know, I've talked on previous episodes about being bossy and for years claiming that and wearing that, like you said, like a badge of honor, Mm -hmm. like I'm bossy. Yeah. And realizing that I wanted to be in control of so many of everything, right? Like I can think think back to like planning or discussing family events and I would just step in and take control. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like that's causing me so much anxiety on the inside. But on the outside, it's like, I got this. And it was more so when I listened to Dr. Tama's episode, like I, it made me reflect on, oh, okay, so that's about my own, how I've been conditioned and my own need to like have stability and manage my own anxiety. And over the years, I've learned to just let that go. And what I truly have been working on is other people can do this. Yeah. If they want my help, they can ask. 
I don't have to insert myself and volunteer because I know that sometimes if I volunteer, I will end up taking over and I don't have to do it. They other people, we're grown now. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. That was definitely, that resonates with me for sure. Cause I know we had like similar upbringings mm-hmm. and then we were parentified at a young age. But the one thing I learned about for, from my experience with, as it relates to control is that I had to take control in some areas, but I felt like a lack of control. Like there was a yes, lack of exactly. control that I had on, you know, what was going to, what, what is life going to look like tomorrow or today? Right. And so mm-hmm. because of that, I just had to have all the pieces. When I think about my, you know, pretending not to care and being deemed as the man in the relationship, that came up for me because I saw so many men that I was around play women. Yes. I mean, I saw like, they had side chicks and they were talking. I just saw them do women so dirty. And I was like, yo, I refuse to be one of those women that's out here looking fucking crazy. And so I was like, I'm going to be the one that I'm like, I'm going to be in control in the relationship and that I'll control how my emotions show up because I don't want him to play me. And until I get him, like, it was again, the whole game, yeah. but that was the reason why I got to that place. And can we talk a bit about like how we acknowledge that? Like, how did you even overcome? Well, the reality is that, like I said, like it's still something that mm. I actively work on. Gotcha. And, and I think that's the thing that I want us to emphasize and recognize is that breaking old habits yeah. takes a long time mm-hmm. and you have to be patient with yourself as you're moving through it. Because even when you think that you're like, I've arrived yes. and I am here healed Mm -hmm. and I am no longer bossy it still may sneak up on you every now and then and for me like when it sneaks up on me it's just a matter of me saying like acknowledging to myself oh wait I'm trying to take control here let me step back and I've gotten better at saying like asking what do you need from me Mm -hmm. how can I help and then Thinking about in other terms, like in other situations, trying to figure out like what to ask. So it's about like identifying like where is my control showing up? Like how is my control showing up? And what is it that I really need in this moment? And how can I ask for what it is that I need Mm -hmm. in this moment? That's really good. I like the fact that you said that it still comes up because even for me, like, Although I'm married now, for a lot of my getting out of the pretending not to care space had to do with me doing my own work and being more in tune with my emotions and being okay with them and being vulnerable. And as many of you know, like I'm very vulnerable these days. And so I've had to work to peel that back. I would say the next one for me, the next toxic trait is communication. So doing what I saw in the home, even though I didn't know it impacted me, like I remember seeing certain fights in my household and I was like, oh my gosh, I would never do that kind of stuff. And girl, one day I was like, oh, I sound just like so-and-so. I was like, oh, damn. And my thing with communication and relationships used to be if my partner didn't listen to what I was saying or they were rude, one, I would interrupt all of the time, which is so annoying as a to be conversing with someone to interrupt. And I realized how rude it is now. And I've had to work on that very very hard to stop that. But I would say interrupting. And then I used to do this little like pop in the mouth kind of thing, which is so inappropriate. I know it's not good. Don't judge me. But I would do that because it was there was something that was said that I didn't like. It was just kind of like a reaction because that's what I grew up seeing. I didn't think it was that bad. I don't do that shit no more. So you would pop the other person in the mouth. Mm-hmm. So just so we're clear, <laughs> yes. you would... Physically put your hands on someone else if they said something you didn't want to hear. It was, it's a little more nuanced than that. So it was, it okay. was okay. So to be in again, it's wrong either way. Like I don't, I believe that women should not put their hand, hands on men. Women, men should not put their hands on women. Women shouldn't put their hands on women. Men should, no one should put their hands on anyone. Like that's point blank. Period. Like we were taught in grade school, keep your hands to keep yourself. Keep your hands to yourself. For me, it was, it started off as like a little flirty thing with a ah. past partner where they would make a joke. I told them I was uncomfortable with it. I didn't like the joke and they would continue to do it. And so that was like my little flirty thing. But then they began to 
despise the fact that I did that. And I was like, well, you need to stop saying this thing that you keep saying I told you I didn't like. And then that was my response. Either way, it's still inappropriate. Like, But I think it gives information, yeah, right? It's not just like, boop, upside the head. Right. Yeah. But I think that, that, that that's good information mm-hmm. because what you said in there was that you initially did it as a flirty thing. Mm-hmm. And that flirty thing was still sending a message. It was passive aggressive. Yes. But the reality is that oftentimes when our needs aren't being met, because you said you initially verbally communicated mm-hmm. what you needed. Yes. He, that person did not respond to you. Exactly. And so then you reacted to what I w- saw and witnessed, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what that's saying is that, okay. You did try to assert yourself. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. So now we have to go to another method. Mm-hmm. But again, we are, if we step back and we look at the actions that we take, it constantly gives us information. Yes. In that moment, even though you were trying to be flirty, you were still trying to find another way to communicate what you tried to say, but wasn't being heard. Yes, that is spot on. And I'm glad that you asked for clarity. And you were like, let me repeat this back to you. Right. We got more information. So I love that you said that. But again, I've learned that no one should put their hands on anyone because it really can escalate. And I am totally not like I grew up with too much domestic violence to be repeating any of those cycles. So I'm like that. I need to nip that in the bud. So Don, what is your next toxic trait? So mine is also around communication. And so for me, I would not communicate what I was really feeling. And again, a lot of some of my a lot of my anxiety that I've experienced in life was around me not articulating what I needed. So in those situations, what would happen is. And this is not just romantic relationships. This would be across the board Mm -hmm. that I would someone would say something to me. And it would upset me or it would irritate me or it would just make me feel something unpleasant. And instead of me articulating and communicating to that person that, hey, that annoyed me or I was hurt by these words or I was hurt by these actions, instead of saying anything and addressing it, I would kind of hold it in and eventually I would build up, it built up resentment. Mm -hmm. So then I might find myself doing something in a passive aggressive way, like not commuting one, not directly communicating with them how I was feeling, but then also finding myself feeling annoyed or irritated when I would have to interact with that person, even if they weren't doing something that like they could be pleasant. They could be like, hey, girl, let's go get some. Let's go grab brunch. And I'm like, mm, I don't feel like being bothered it's with this person exactly. today, you know, and and really it was because they had done something to irritate me that yeah. I hadn't let them know about. Yes. And they're going on carrying on as if everything is normal. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here. I'm the one feeling miserable Mm. and they are, everything's cool. Yeah. And then I might get more irritated that everything's cool for them and I'm over here pissed off. And it's like, well, how are they supposed to know that you're pissed off if you don't open your mouth and say you're pissed off? Yes. So now I want to take us to how do we make that change? So we've identified, and I think we've kind of been talking about this a little bit too, of like, as we've been identifying some of those toxic traits that we've had, we've also been kind of talking a little bit about ways to address it. Mm -hmm. But I want us to get a little bit more concrete. Let's do it. So when you think about the people that you are in relationship with and the people that you're around, just kind of be mindful of how they communicate. I think mindfulness is so key in all of this. It's just sitting and being the observer of your thoughts and just being aware of what's happening around you and think to yourself, are these people, are they walking on eggshells? Like, do people seem to be acting a certain way because I'm around you? You get, you know how it is. Like you ever walk into an environment and you're like, damn, something just shifted when I walked in, or you just notice that there's a shift in the environment or something's different. I think that's something to be mindful of because sometimes 
if we are the toxic people, those people may not want to come to us and tell us that it's you, right? They may not feel comfortable saying that. They may not have the language. They may not even know how to do it. And so it's important for us to be self-aware enough to realize if we are coming into an environment and shifting things up, or you could ask, right? In the spirit of being mindful, that takes us to number two, monitor your own thoughts and actions. And I think that what that means is that when you are responding to other people, you're engaging other people, is your first response to be critical and not critical in a, I'm using my critical thinking skills because I advocate for that, right? Yes. But critical in the judgmental way and finding the flaw, always looking specifically for the flaws or what they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And then you say it, you voice your opinion and don't care whether or not you're hurting the other person's feelings or not. And one thing that came to mind for me as you said that, Don, was like, you see a woman with a nice outfit and maybe someone compliments her and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess it's cute, but I would have worn different shoes. It's like, that's really not even necessary. The fact that you would have, just give somebody else kudos. It's cool. Like, it's all right, baby. It's all good. Right, right. (laughs) It's cool. So that's one. The next one is apologize more and seek understanding. Apologizing can really unlock so many doors for us if we apologize more. I know I used to have a problem with saying I apologize because it just, oh, it felt like I'm wrong. What did I do? And it was the ego. But I think that when you truly apologize and not make excuses, you just apologize and you seek understanding. So for instance, Don, what's something I might apologize for you for? I don't know. Maybe I kicked your leg or something by accident. Well, yeah, let's say I kicked your leg. And I'm like, I apologize, Don. Or you tell me I kicked your leg. Like, yeah, if I, if you, (laughs) if, so if, and it doesn't even have to be that I acknowledged it, right? Mm -hmm. Something as simple as you are being mindful of it Mm -hmm. and you are aware that you kicked me and you say, oh my bad girl, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kick you. Yeah. Or even, and even if it's something more serious, Mm -hmm. then being mindful and aware that how you apologize also is important as well. So you accidentally kick me. My bad. I didn't mean to kick you. It's fine. But we had a scheduled telephone call and you didn't respond to my text messages. You didn't respond to my email and you didn't call. That's not a, oh, my bad girl. Mm-hmm. That's a, hey, Dom, I am so sorry that. I missed our call and that I wasn't responsive to your communication Mm -hmm. when you were seeking to reach out to me. I think that's a great example. And I also think about when people are, when they bring something to your attention and you want to apologize, seek understanding too. Like, I'm so sorry, Dom. Like, how did that make you feel? Or what could, you know, what could I do better? Or honestly, just asking someone, how can I, how did I make you feel? That can unlock so many doors for you because now you get a chance to get more information about what you can now specifically address because they've shared with you how you made them feel and people just want to be heard, right? And that takes us to our final tip, identifying the root of the toxicity and what must be done to heal. Y'all know resident therapists over here. I'm going to say my suggestion is going to be to talk to a professional, right? Because like we said at the beginning, addressing the toxicity is hard. And even though we've been using that term toxicity, and some of you may keep hearing this and we're at the end of the show, and some of you still are like repulsed by the word, Mm -hmm. having a hard time hearing the word toxicity and not take it as a personal attack. But what we're saying when we're using the word toxicity is we're letting you know that there are some unhealthy things happening. And if you really want to live your best life Mm -hmm. and be your happy, healthy, authentic self, you've got to heal those things that are causing problems in your relationships. That's right. Because you already know we can't heal what we don't reveal. And it's like if you have a cut on your leg or a gaping gash and you just put a Band-Aid on it, it's not going to do much, right? So we want to leave you with some resources, lady, that you can tune into 
in addition to this episode. So we have a book called Will I Ever Be Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, which is a really great read. You should definitely check that out. It'll give you additional tips and tools. We also have a self-compassion deck with 50 mindfulness-based practices. So that'll be in the show notes. And then we have three episodes that you should definitely listen to if you have not already and listen to them right after this episode. So the first one is from season five, episode three, which is a fresh perspective on receiving feedback and managing defensiveness. That was a good episode where Dom and I talked about how we have been processing the feedback that we get from the podcast. Some is good. Others constructive feedback that's good for us to know about that we need to figure out how to process. And then we have season five, episode four, which is how your words are creating your current reality. We encourage you to put some respect on your name in that episode. And last but not least, we have season three, episode 12, which is one of our all-time favorites. Yes. Healing Intergenerational Trauma with Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the HerSpace podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.